like that. What is up, one and one? Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Now, before we can get into whatever we're going to talk about today, because we got we got things we want to talk about as per usual. I mean, we won't be doing an episode if we didn't have things to talk about. But one thing I would like to make abundantly clear, I am sorry if my voice sounds really raspy or if it sounds different than what it usually does. I'm not feeling the best. I've got a really sore throat. That's about it. Nothing else really going on, so we're not really... We're not, we're not, co- we don't have COVID, so it's positive, but just not feeling the greatest. Trying to get to bed later, earlier. And I thought about, con- I, well, I contemplated not doing a show today. I'm going to be real honest. I, I contemplated not doing one today. <coughs> but then I was like, well, I haven't recorded a show in three weeks. I haven't recorded a show on a Monday since February 21st. I don't know the last time, because I don't even think back then. We recorded an episode on a Monday and then the next following Wednesday. I don't know if that's been a thing before, or at least recently. It's been a thing before, obviously, but it hasn't been a thing recently. And then Wednesday, just th- three straight days with the show. Friday, Monday, and Wednesday. Now, this show might never go out. There's a very positive chance this show never sees the light of day because I'm just either too tired to finish the show out or just can't talk anymore or whatever. So I'm going to try, and I know every single time, I have tried this. It has come back and bit me in the ass in the hardest way. By the fact, I mean every single time I have said, I'm going to record a short show. The show always becomes a super long episode. Like somewhere in the region of an hour and a half to two hours long. Like we're not trying to do that. We are try- I'm trying to follow some- fall somewhere in the range of 40 to 45 minutes. That's the ultimate goal with this show. And I know some things like... For rem- rem- remedies for sore throats and stuff like that. I taught, I just downed a thing of honey and took a shot of whiskey. Because I was trying to like, oh man, let's get as good as we possibly can. Drank a ton of water today. Popped a few cough drops. Got everything going. So we're trying our best. We're trying our best here. And I, I apologize if the show is not as good or up to your extremely high standards as it usually is. But we're trying here. All we can do is try. <laughs> so I hope it turns out well. But yeah, we are here on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Before we get into the show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. My personal account is Blackman Logan. And then on YouTube and Facebook, search the same thing to search Logan Blackman Show will pop up. And you're listening to it right now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both. Make sure you're following or subscribed on both of them, or at least one of them, and leave a rating out of five stars on both of them if you can do so. I would greatly appreciate it because, again, we're at 15 ratings on Apple Podcasts, which doesn't seem like a whole hell of a lot, but, you know, it's something. It's better than nothing. We could have no ratings on Apple Podcasts. We could have been doing 200-something. How many episodes have we done on Apple Podcasts and Spotify? This isn't the total number of episodes I've done in general because at William Penn we didn't we used SoundCloud and I didn't record it, I didn't podcast episodes. It was just over live radio, and then we had the opportunity to do that. Didn't really post it anywhere, and then you and I live radio, and then we had the opportunity to do podcasting things, and then I podcasted it, and then after sometime I think during my senior year of college, I was like, let's try and get Apple Podcasts and Spotify on the thing. Because we were on SoundCloud. I think you can still get Logan Blackman Show episodes on Spotify, the ones from you and I, but I don't know uh, I don't know how good they are. So I wouldn't recommend doing that. But we have 214. This will be episode 215 on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 215 episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I don't know how far this dates back, 
because I've been doing for Apple Podcast Spotify accounts. So uh, yeah, 215 episodes. That's if again this one goes out, and if you're hearing me say this right now, that means successfully the podcast has come out. That's a good thing. I could just be also taking a giant L. I could just be going taking the L, and uh, we're gonna just upload the show regardless, <laughs> whatever happens. If it's good, bad, or ugly, or whatever. But here's a quick preview of what we're going to try and talk about today. So we got the draft coming up in April or April 28th through the 30th. So we're going to talk about that as well. We're getting closer and closer. It's April 5th for me, April 6th for you. And I thought about this today, like right as I was leaving the office, actually. I want to go through my favorite prospects at each position. So for those of you who are unaware of what the positions are, we've got quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, tackle, Guard center, so interior alignment, D tackles, edge rushers, linebackers, corners, and safeties. So we got about 11 positions to work with right here. I think 11. I did, I'm not doing the exact math here, but it's something like 11 positions to work with. And we're just going to go through the top ones. And the stipulation I have placed on myself, it cannot be the number one guy in the position group. So over all these different position groups, so we're just going to go through each one individually right now. Quarterback is still, by all accounts, unless you're going off potential, if we're talking about who's the most ready to play right now, it's Kenny Pickett. Running back's Brees Hall. Wide receiver at this point in time, given Jamison Williams' knee injury, is Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Tight ends, um, Trey McBride from Colorado State. He's pretty much the, the top guy. It has been the top guy for some time now at tight end. Tackles, Ike McQuanu from NC State. Guard centers, Tyler Lindebaum from Iowa. D lineman, D tackles, uh, Jordan Davis from Georgia. Good see arguments for Devontae, Devontae Wyatt, but we're going Jordan Davis. Ed Rusher's Aiden Hutchinson, though we had Trayvon Walker going number one overall in the last mock draft. I just think that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars will do. Not necessarily thinking that's the smartest thing to do, but it's a thing they could do nonetheless. Linebacker's Devin Lloyd from Utah. Corner Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. And safety Kyle Hamilton. There's a few of these positions, like safety and um, what's another one? Tight end, where there's a clear guy at number one. Like, Kyle Hamilton has been the dude at safety for months. And some people consider him the top two player, if not the best overall player in the draft. But two things are hurting him in the draft process. In the last month draft, we had him going number 11 to Washington. And for a guy who's considered a top two player in his draft, going number 11 is something that should be considered or looked down upon and go, if this dude's really that good, why is he falling to 11? Well, I don't know if I've explained this before, I might have last Friday when we were going over to the mock draft the first time because I don't think we talked about Kyle Hamilton on Monday. But two things are hurting him. One's the position. Similar to that of Tyler Lindebaum coming in as a center, centers and safeties and running backs generally right now are not considered top priorities in the draft. Like if you're looking at centers, technically speaking, the last center draft in the top 10 was Bruce Matthews back in 83. So it's been a long time. And Bruce Matthews, you don't even if you don't want to count him, that's fine. Because Bruce Matthews played every single position on the offensive line. We're just saying that because he, at one point, played center. But like even recently, the 18th spot is where centers generally go. Is Tyre Lindebaum better than 18 players in this draft class? I believe so. But he's probably not going to fall at 18 or sooner. Because people consider him undersized, his arm length's too small, or whatever. And then safeties. The last safety draft in the top five was a late great Sean Taylor. It was drafted fifth overall in 2004 in the Eli Manning, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Lossman draft. <laughs> the famous one with J.B. Lossman. 
but the next safeties get drafted sixth. Like, Mika Fitzpatrick was drafted 11th. Derwin James was drafted 17th. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like, Derwin James was vastly considered at least a top six player in the draft and fell all the way to 17. It happens. And then Kyle Hamilton also didn't test extremely well. There were reports that he ran a 4-7 something, 4-7 to 4-8-40, which is not something that I think should be viewed on as highly, but I think it's something that we can try. We've talked about the 40-yard dash before and why I think it's uh, way overvalued in regards to a scouting process. Because if you watch Kyle Hamilton, especially the game against Florida State week one last year, the dude is faster than 4-7. And I have said this numerous times on the show, there is a difference between football speed and track speed or 40-yard dash speed. 99% of the 40-yard dash time is down to technique. That's all it's down to. I bet Kyle Hamilton is faster than a lot of people that ran a lot faster than him in the 40. Like, if you watch his 40 at the Combine, Kyle Hamilton is all over the place. If you watch the straight-on angle from him, the dude is not running in a straight line. It is 99% technique, the 40-yard dash. And the other one is just speed. So you've got, like, universities that practice the 40-yard dash all the time or just practice those types of drills. Like, at William Penn, we practiced 40-yard dash. I didn't practice it, but we did the 40-yard dash. I think most colleges do. But there are people that would not run the fastest 40s in the world, but be super fast in the football field. I think Kyle Hamilton falls in that category. But sad thing is, for Kyle Hamilton, it's not up to me. It's not up to um, other draft quote-unquote experts out there. Kyle Hamilton is bound to fall in the draft, which is a sad thing. But that doesn't change the fact that he's still a top two player in the draft. And whoever takes him will be getting a hell of a football player. Because Kyle Hamilton's one of the rare players in the draft where he can play literally anywhere on the defense. Like you have a few players in the positions, like Devin Lloyd, it's just an example, is a player that can play as an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker, like in a 4-3 defense, or 3-4 defense, or play as a edge rusher. Kyle Hamilton can do that, play linebacker, safety, strong safety, free safety, corner, nickel corner. Like, the dude could do everything. He's 6'4", 220 pounds as a safety. Like, do you guys remember Taylor Mays at all? He's a better version of Taylor Mays. It's about someone who's just freaking massive for the safety position. Taylor Mays, I think, was 6'4", about 230. I got to look. What was Taylor Mays' size? It was from USC. He ran a 4-4-3. Good Lord. I didn't even realize that. 6'3", 236 is what Taylor Mays ran. Is what how big Taylor Mays was when he was in the NFL. Three-time first-team All-American, too. Played for USC. Bombed the 40. I mean, 4-4-3 at 6'3", 220-some pounds is very impressive. Very, very impressive. But even he fell to the second round. Like, the past two drafts, the first safeties... Weren't taken until I picked 36 or 37. Javon Holland from Oregon was taken by Miami. And then Xavier McKinney was taken by the Giants. Both people fell the first, were the first safeties taken in their draft the past two years, both taken in the second round. <coughs> and I think you could classify, I, I think they tried to classify Tyson Campbell as a safety, so maybe he falls in that category as well. Even though he played corner at Georgia. He's with the Jaguars now. Gotta take a drink of water real quick. I'm already, I'm already weighing in here. <laughs> But man, I like Trey McBride. And we're talking about just uh, size, athletic ability, and blocking ability. 
Like, he's just the guy. Like, he's like another version of George Kittle to a certain extent. Like, he just looks like George Kittle. He led all tight ends receiving yards last year and played for a pretty below average Colorado State team. The only, the only problem is he had like 1,200 yards receiving and had one touchdown. But he ate up the middle of the field. <laughs> I think there's some players that are pushing him to a certain extent, more so him than Hamilton, but I think McBride has a chance to go in round two. I don't know if the other tight ends do. Because you got the other tight ends like that we're looking at for high-end draft picks for tight ends. In this draft, anyways. Which is a pretty decent tight end class, not going to lie. But, like, Isaiah Likely from Coast Carolina. Uh, Jalen Weidermeyer from A&M. Greg Dolcich, Dolcich from UCLA. Like, these kind of players. Uh, Jelani Woods from Virginia. Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Like, there's some good tight ends that you can get later in this draft. And I think only really... And there's a chance like someone like Likely with his athletic upside could fall in round two, but I really doubt it. I think the only tight end that has a realistic shot at going round one or round two is Trey McBride. I think a lot of that comes down to is there a lot of teams that are in a pressing need for a tight end? Maybe the Titans. Ever since they lost Johnny Smith, they had a real lacking presence at tight end. <coughs> I would say the Jets beforehand, but they just signed C.J. Uzama from Cincinnati, and they got someone else too, but I don't remember who it was. So, yeah, there's not a lot of needy tight end teams out there because all the teams that needed tight ends, like the Jets, who are probably the most tight end needy team in the draft, went out and signed, signed one or two. The Titans could use tight end, but they're in the first round. They don't have a pick till later in the draft. They have a pick. Their next pick after their first round picks, pick 90. So they got some time to worry about their next pick. They got some time, and that's where you could get someone like, I don't know, Dolchich or Weidermeyer or someone like that. I don't know. But basically, we're going to try and figure out who the top players in each position are. And you you can disagree with me. That's fine. I don't care. And I'm not sitting here and saying that this is the guy that I think will be by far the best player in the next level. I'm just saying this is my favorite player. And I, a lot of people out there, I think we kind of talked about this the other day, most people, there's some outliers there, but most people's favorite player is the best player on the team. Again, there's some oddballs. There's like fan favorites, obviously, or cult heroes that you have on the team. <clears throat> but 90% of the time, it's like, oh, my favorite player on the Kansas City Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. Which is the same for, same for a lot of people. Or Travis Kelsey. It's rarely... Rarely someone like Daniel Sorensen. Rarely. I mean, there's there's the odd chance that someone likes Daniel Sorensen, who's now on the Chiefs. Or on the on the Saints, sorry. But most of the time it's that. So when I say this is my favorite player, that does not mean I think they're the best player, if that makes any sense. <coughs> Jeez. Jeez. We're struggling here. I haven't talked all day. So uh, I'm I'm waning here a little bit. We're trying not to die. We're trying not to die. <laughs> but that last cough felt pretty good now. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this. Let's get into this because I think it's something that I want to just I, – I was going to go over the entire show, but I kind of just want to go through everything and, uh, you know, get it all, the, all, all out of the way. <laughs> okay? So starting off with quarterbacks, I think my favorite one has been for a long time and the longest time has been Malik Willis. I think we're talking about athletic upside – just natural ability, Malik Willis is the guy. 
Malik Willis is that dude. Like, there's not really a whole lot I haven't said about Malik Willis that's getting said right now. We have been talking about Malik Willis for months. Like This is dating back to the spring, pretty much. Or not spring, but summer. Like We've been talking about Willis for a long time. So this is, should be no surprise to anybody that Malik Willis is considered my favorite quarterback prospect in the draft. Because again, he reminds me a lot, not necessarily in what they play like, but the style of prospects, I'm I'm excited for what Malik Willis does. So I made a, a blog post on May 4th, ranking the top 10 quarterbacks in the draft, and I have Malik Willis at number three. Followed by, with number two being Rattler, number one being Sam Howell. Like, Malik Willis has been the guy for a while now. Here's the top 10. The first top 10 we did was Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Keaton Slovis, Desmond Ritter at 5, JT Daniels 6, Carson Strong 7, Jaden Daniels 8, Matt Corral 9, and Tyler Show number 10. And we missed out on a couple of them. Like, uh, didn't even mention Kenny Pickett in the missed out category. But yeah, I, I Matt Corral, that was one I, we've talked about quite a bit on the show. There are some big like concerns around Matt Corral in regards to um, what do you call it? Ability to not make the stupid play because there was two games last year where he threw eleven interceptions, <laughs> two combined. Like I, I was like, this dude could be the best player in the draft. I compared him to Zach Wilson on the next blog post we did, which was on. Where's that? June 28th, quarterback comparisons. Matt Corral, Zach Wilson. Very erratic, but if everything comes together, Matt Corral could have easily been one of the top quarterbacks in the strat, and he still is. He's number three on my board. But we had Patrick Mahomes, Spencer Rattler, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, Michael Vick with Malik Willis. We had Joe Burrow with Keaton Slovis, Desmond with Trey Lance. Uh, Carson Strong with Matt Stafford, JT Daniels, Josh Rosen, Jaden Daniels with Lamar Jackson, then we had Corral with Wilson, and then Phil Yurkovic with college version of Ben Roethlisberger. Not old college, but not old Ben Roethlisberger. We, I think we forgot about Phil Yurkovic in the first one. I really like Phil Yurkovic. He battled a lot of injuries this year, mostly with his thumb on his throwing hand. I think he got hurt against UMass. But yeah, there should be no surprise. I don't think I really need to go into a whole hell of a lot around Malik Willis. I think Malik Willis is a very, very good quarterback, and I'm excited to see what type of player he becomes at the next level. And I, I, I hope and pray people give him time. And I think he will be afforded that luxury because I think a lot of people like him. And I don't think there's a team that he could go to right now where everybody would go, that's a stupid pick. Like, everybody's hating on Jordan Love because they didn't like the draft pick. Not necessarily what Jordan Love is or what he could become, it's just on the draft pick. I am going to afford Jordan Love the luxury of waiting it out because you're sitting behind the guy who just won back-to-back MVPs. So there's going to be so you know some time before he's the guy in Green Bay. Quite a bit of time, especially now that he's just signed a new contract. Rodgers sat for three years. Philip Rivers sat for two. It happens, but Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow have kind of screwed the whole thing around. Quarterbacks need to be ready to play now. Joe Burrow just went to a Super Bowl. Justin Herbert's top six quarterback in the NFL. Like, it's... Expectations have changed 
for young quarterbacks going in the NFL. They can't be afforded the two-year wait period. Two, three, four-year wait period. So you got to play right now. I hope people give Malik Willis that luxury. Uh, favorite running backs Rashad White from Arizona State. Because I can't have Brees Hall. I love Brees Hall. Rashad White, <coughs> very good multi-dimensional back. 43 catches last year with 56, 456 yards receiving and a touchdown. Also had over 1,000 yards rushing with 15 touchdowns on the ground. Very versatile running back. Bigger guy, 6'2", 210. I love these bigger, big-bodied receiving backs. Or big-bodied running backs that can catch the ball to the backfield. Because every time you think of like pass-catching backs, you think of the smaller scat packs like Darren Sproles or something like that. You don't think of someone that can run over everybody that's bigger than most defensive backs out there. And some linebackers. You don't think about that. And I think Rashad White falls in that category like Brees Hall with uh, Najee Harris and these bigger backs that can catch the ball and make a lot of, do a lot of damage. Jeez. On the outside. But I also really like James Cook a lot from Georgia. I also really like Kyron Williams. I know he didn't test very well, so he's going to drop a little bit more, and he's a little smaller, but he's a really good pass blocking back. For how big he is, he's like 5'9", probably 200. <coughs> but he can pass block. He's very good pass, very good and capable pass blocker. Favorite wide receiver, I wanted to switch this one up again, Christian Watson from North Coast State. If we're talking just upside, similar to that of Malik Willis at the quarterback position, I think Christian Watson is that. Like, you look at size, he's like six foot four, 205, 210 pounds, ran a four three six forty, which, again, we talked about it's all technique, but still, dude's big. He's not some small receiver, and he still exploded at the combine. And he never had a massive showing in regards to numbers at North Coast State. His career high in receiving yards was 800 yards. Nothing spectacular. But you can see the athletic ability. You can see the potential there coming from a smaller school, playing for a run-first offense where you have to run block, which is going to be very beneficial for him. I think he's a very smart receiver as well. So I really like him. I also like Traylon Burks a lot for how big he is. He's very versatile. Was used as a running back at times. Had some decent num- decent rushes for Arkansas last year. Obviously a very capable run blocker for as big as he is. He's like 6'3", 220, somewhere around there, somewhere around 230 maybe. And Arkansas, being a run-first team, had a lot of experience doing that as well. And some other receivers, I like Romeo Dubs a lot from Nevada. Very fast receiver. Worked really well with Carson Strong there at Nevada, along with Cole Turner. But yeah, I would say my favorite wide receiver is Christian Watson. <clears throat> then moving on to tight end. Favorite tight end. Uh, let's go with Isaiah Likely. Again, athletic ceiling is freaking high. Isaiah Likely is the most athletic tight end in this draft, arguably. Him and Jelani Woods and uh, uh, Chigazim Okonkwo are very, very, very athletic tight ends. I really like Charlie Kohler as well from Iowa State. Greg Dolchich is a very fun tight end. But Isaiah Likely just have athletic ceiling and athletic ability. He might need to improve a little bit as a blocker, but he's not that big. He's not a very big guy. I don't remember exactly how big he is compared to some of the other tight ends. He's 6'4", 240 pounds, which isn't small. By any stretch of the imagination, but he's a really natural receiving receiving tight end. And I think if he can get in that blocking realm, the dude could be very, very special at the next level. I'm really excited to see what Isaiah likely becomes at the next level. But again, we talked about some of the other tight ends I really liked as well. But li- tackles, I mean, it was only going to be one person. It was going to be Trevor Penning. I'm from a Northern Iowa Panther. Have to choose him. Play guard or tackle. 6'7", probably 320 pounds. Very athletic, very flexible for the position and just mean. This is a very mean tackle, which is exactly what you want from your off the lineman. You don't want a bunch of, oh, lookout blocks. Trevor Penning's never going to throw a lookout block. Never, ever. The dude is just a, 
He's a mauler. That's just lack for a better term. He's just a mauler. And then, like, some other tackles I really like. I like Daniel Falele just because of how big he is. He's six foot nine, 380 pounds, pushing upward to somewhere 400 pounds. Like, the dude's just freaking huge. <laughs> and I think Bernard Raymond's got an interesting story. Former tight end from Austria. Came over to Central Michigan, moved to tackles a junior. So if you're talking about ceilings for tackles, he might be one that you look at as something you like a project piece from the off-the-line position. Interior off-the-lineman, uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College. I just like his story. He was a zero-star recruit out of high school. Went to Davidson, th- triple option school. Balled out there. Went to Boston College. Balled out there. And has balled out in every single category that he's had to put himself through this offseason. Like, every single thing he's had to do. He has beat it. He was one of the top performers at the Senior Bowl. Considered one of the best interior linemen in the draft. He was considered like a possible second-round pick. To now, we're talking about he's almost a lock for the first round. And could be, just begin, be given on the position of Tyler Nabom, could be the first interior lineman taken in the draft. Really could be. I'm really excited to see what he does. And Cole Strange from Chattanooga, uh, if I remember correctly, he has got a sick like bar face mask, like the old school lineman face masks. The one with the bar right down the middle of the helmet. Now, he did struggle at times with some snaps during the Senior Bowl with Carson Strong in at quarterback, but... That's whatever, but he's a very really fun. The the, ma- the face mask alone makes him one of the favorite players in the draft. <laughs> Jeez, sorry. I'm trying to be better. Uh, and tier D lineman, moving over to defense, Travis Jones from UConn. Dude was at UConn. We're talking about a UConn player getting drafted in the first round. This is in the UConn when they were in the Big East, like in the late 2000s, early 2010s. No, with Tyler Lorenzen at quarterback, with Donald Brown at running back. No, 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 no. This isn't that team. This team reeks. They won four games when Travis Jones was there. Four games. They went four and 32, I believe. And we're talking about this dude being a first-round draft pick. Strength, strength, strength is exactly what this dude is. Friggin' monster. Him and Jordan Davis are very similar in that regard, but Jordan Davis is. I mean, they're both athletic freaks for how big they are. So I just want, I'm excited to see what he does. Just a dude from UConn getting drafted in the first round is crazy to me. And then I also really like Logan Hall. I mean, it's what not to like. His name's Logan. I have to like him. Uh, edge rushers, if he was healthy, it'd be David Ojabo. I love watching David Ojabo. Whether you want to play him as a 4-3 DN or a 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker, the dude's speed is just insane. And we're talking about what you could build as an edge rusher. Him and Trayvon Walker are the top two guys in regards to potential. Because he's only been playing football for like four years, five years. And if he didn't tear his Achilles, he'd be a guaranteed top 15 pick, possibly top 10 pick to Atlanta. Because <clears throat> remember what the reports were saying, David Ojabo and Trayvon Walker were two players the Falcons were ooing and aahing over at the Combine. This dude is a first-round talent, and I hope somehow he slips into the first round. But if we're not going David Ojabo, I'll go with Sam Williams from Ole Miss. This dude terrorized. Malik Willis, when they played, Ole Miss played Liberty back in November. I think it was November. Might have been October. But this dude is fun. Very fun player to watch. D'Angelo Malone was a guy that blew up the senior bowl as well. He floored Trevor Penning and Charlie Kohler. So if you were looking for your Iowa boys to do well, they did well. Did well, but uh, got floored (laughs) by the dude known as D'Angelo Malone. Jeez. (laughs) If we're going linebackers now, I'm going to go with Channing Tindall from Georgia. 
This is a very willing, just natural football player. He's got the old-school linebacker mentality where he's just going to go and make a hit. Dude plays special teams, do a play, obviously, defense, and he's got a freaking neck roll. What is there not to like about Channing Tindall? I have him as my number five linebacker right now, but I see a lot of people considering like Chad Muma from Wyoming up there as well. Uh, Troy Anderson's build, been building up a lot of steam from Montana State. Leo Chanel from Wisconsin's another one up there. Damone Clark from LSU. But Channing Tindall, that's a fun player to watch right there. Corners, we're going to go with Roger McCreary from Auburn. Uh, best tackling corner in the draft. Him and Trent McDuffie are kind of similar in that regard. If we're talking about just total tackles, out of the top corners in this draft, no one really comes close to him. Roger McCreary had like 40-something tackles last year. That's not really that normal of a number for corners. Like, I need to look up the actual number for Roger McCreary. See what his uh, total statistics were. Hold on. 41 tackles last year. Or 49. 49 total, 41 solo. 45 tackles a season before, 38 solo. With also, you know, six interceptions to his name as well. With a pick six last year. One concern about Roger McCreary is his arm size. People are calling him T-Rex arms, but... Dude's a baller. I mean, Tarek Woolen, if we're talking about length and speed, athleticism, whatever, that dude's got it <laughs> from UTSA. He has a chance to fall in the second round. He's probably going to be an early third rounder, but who who knows? This draft is supposed to be the most unpredictable draft of all time, so maybe he does fall in that category of first rounders or sec- second rounders. And then safety, Daxton Hill. I love Daxton Hill. Like You remember me talking about the Iowa-Michigan game for the Big Ten Championship. We were talking about how Iowa does not, they cannot set up anything deep. Do not do any five-step drops because Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo will blow up the edges. You don't have the time, especially with Petrus' lack of mobility. And then, coupling in with that, don't throw it deep because Daxton Hill is going to make a play on it. Because that's just what he does. Daxton Hill can play both corner and safety. Nickel corner, he could play really well there. He's the best free natural free safety in this draft. I really like Jalen Petrie as well. Lewis Seen is a very fun safety as well. Power hitter, Lewis Seen. And Dane Belton from Iowa. I gotta, I gotta talk about some Iowa people here. <laughs> but yeah, those are my favorite players from every single position in the draft. So again, quarterback was Malik Willis. Running back, Rashad White. Wide receiver, Tre- uh, Christian Watson. Tight end, Isaiah Likely. Tackle, Trevor Penning. Interior lineman, Zion Johnson. D lineman, Travis Jones. Uh, edge rusher, David Ojabo or Sam Williams. Uh, linebacker, uh, Channing Tindall. Cornerback, Roger McCreary. And safety, Daxton Hill. And then just random safety. or I got to go with Cameron Dicker. Dicker the kicker. And then we got to go Matt Arazia from San Diego State as the punter. So, And then long snappers, uh, we're going to go with Jordan Silver from Arkansas. <coughs> because there's only two in this draft. <laughs> Calamitis, Adamitis, sorry, from Pittsburgh and Jordan Silver. I went with the Arkansas guy. I like the underdog. <laughs> but Matt Arazia from San Diego State was awesome at the Combine. If you haven't seen some of his Combine stuff, go ahead and watch that. But Cameron Dicker and Cade York are probably my two favorite kickers in this draft. Oh, man. I am struggling. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> I, am, I am struggling. Goodness gracious. And while we're on the topic of the draft, I guess, Tom McShay released his mock draft today. Mock draft. Well, it doesn't have a 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever. It's just mock draft 2022. So I don't know what the what you want to call this thing. But yeah, he has some 
not insane. I mean, you're getting to the point now. Like, I tried to make one a day just for fun, and it just was too similar to what I was already doing. So it was like I just released one last Friday. So there really was no point of me trying to make one again, but I was like, ah, let's just try it out, see what happens, see if we can come up with anything really different, and I kind of was just making the same thing. But there was some trades. The Eagles and Saints struck a trade, so now the Saints have two first-round picks. The Eagles also only have two. So this has got to be some sort of record here with teams with two first-round picks, or at least two first-round picks. So you've got the Lions with the second and 32nd overall pick, the Jets with the fourth and 10th, the Giants with the fifth and seventh, then we got the Eagles with the 15th and 19th. Saints with 16th and 18th. Packers with 22nd and 28th. And then the Chiefs with 29 and 30. So that's seven teams, if my calculations are correct, unless I'm forgetting somebody, that at this point in time have two or multiple first-round draft picks. That's crazy. I don't know if that's a record or something, but nothing too crazy for him at the start. I mean... The past few mock drafts I've seen, I've seen this pretty much been the top three of Hutchinson, Walker, and Thibodeau. I just think, again, Aquanu uh, with the Texans giving up about 44 sacks last year, best offensive lineman available might be the, the pick here. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not because their defense also kind of stinks. And with Lovey Smith coming in as the, the new head coach, defensive guy, makes sense for him to be getting defensers, especially when you're looking at what style of defense he runs. And edge rushers are very important to what his defense is. Someone like Thibodeau would make a lot of sense. And again, with the Walker and Hutchinson thing, I just think that's what Jacksonville will do. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just think that's what Jacksonville will do. Uh, number four is where I get kind of a concern, but I it's not really a concern because I think he's very good, but Garrett Wilson going to number four to the Jets. I don't think a receiver would go number four, especially over someone like Sauce Gardner or one of the linemen available. Because both Aquanu and Neil are available here, with Gardner still available as well. I don't think the Jets would go wide receiver here at four. I really doubt they would go wide receiver here at four. I could be wrong because, again, they've been heavily linked with wide receivers all offseason, but Robert Saul is going to want to go defense first. I would, I would, Again, I'd be surprised if not. Uh, Aquanu to the Giants at five. Pickett to the Panthers at six. Hamilton, seven to the Giants. Drake London to the Falcons at eight. And they'll just kind of start. Gardner going to 10 to the Jets. I don't think he'll last to 10. Uh, Chris Olave going 11 to Washington. I could see it. People are talking about him and uh, him and Wilson will go sooner than what people are expecting. So maybe he does fall at four for Garrett Wilson. But Alave, I could see him going number eleven. Washington could use some other weapons apart from Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel's out for a lot of last year, and they got what's his name Carson Wentz as, as quarterback. So yeah, get some other weapons in there. Uh, Charles Cross, the tackle from Mississippi State, going to Houston. So they do end up taking a tackle here at thirteen. Uh, what else would be Trevor Petting going to the Saints at 16? Some reports are saying that the Saints are going to go after uh, building pieces here in regards to they think they can make the playoffs, so they're going to get roster pieces that could help pick. And like we talked about in the mock draft, Mickey Loomis has, in the past however many drafts, the current starters on the Saints off the line, including Taron Armstead, who's now in Miami, are all drafted by the Saints. All used, apart from Armstead and Ramchick, who was a first-round pick regardless, were taking over their first picks. Like, the Saints have a hole in the O-line. They're not afraid to address it. And what reports are saying, they wanted to jump the Chargers to get a top offensive lineman. And we had Penny going to the Saints anyways at seven, uh, 18. But, yeah. But one thing I don't like about this draft is the Chiefs trading with the Chargers for Jamison Williams. Two things here. I am... 
always against in division trades, especially when you're replacing someone like Tyreek Kill and giving them a player that's very similar to that, though he's coming off an ACL injury. A bigger Tyreek Kill, essentially. Like I understand the, the Eagles and Cowboys made a trade last year, but Devontae Smith was going to be in the division regardless. And the Cowboys just had to make a pick on who they wanted to go to, the Eagles or the Giants. So it wasn't like they were really helping out the Eagles. It was more like screwing the Giants over. This is just straight up helping the Saints, helping the Chiefs. And in this draft, the Chargers only get one pick out of it. The Chiefs moved up 12 spots and only gave up one draft pick in the first round anyways. Like the Chargers, with Jordan Davis still available, I would find it extremely hard to believe they'd pass on Jordan Davis, especially trading with the Chiefs. You just got Tyreek Hill out of the division. And then you're going to willingly trade with the team that just lost Tyreek Hill, a guy that has terrorized your team for the past however many years, and give them a bigger version, a younger version of Tyreek Hill. I get he's coming off an ACL injury. Jameis Williams is a baller. That trade's stupid. <laughs> if that happens, good Lord, I don't know what to do. But that, that trade's stupid. Uh, the Eagles taking Devin Lloyd. Saints taking Jordan Davis. The two players the Chargers should draft. Jordan Davis and Trevor Penning are both going to the Saints. I'm Lee Willis, the Steelers at 20. Uh, what else? Traylon Burks, the Cardinals at 23. We had that one. Andrew Booth, the Bills. A lot of Bills fans really like Andrew Booth. I just still think with what the Bills were talking about in regards to getting Josh Allen less hits and getting protection for him. Getting a running back that can both catch the ball to the backfield and run, take hits off Josh Allen, and also take pressure off him. Brees Hall makes sense for the Bills. Trey White's out with an ACL injury. Don't know when he's going to be back. They just lost Levi Wallace. They don't have an opposite corner of Trey White. They're in talks, apparently, with bringing back Stephon Gilmore. I don't know how realistic that is because the Bills have no money. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I would not be upset with Andrew Booth. I would definitely not be upset with Andrew Booth going there. That's pretty... Oh, and uh, Desmond Ritter going 32 to the, the Lions. I still have Desmond Ritter at number five in my quarter... Oh, no. Number four. Number four. But I think the Lions would be stuck between uh, Howell, who I have at number five because they coached him at the Senior Bowl, and I think him and uh, Matt Corral fit that kneecap-biting personality. I know Ritter's a winner and was dominant quarterback at Cincinnati, but either A... Think he's going to Atlanta because I think the Falcons really like him. And I think he'd fit really well in that offense, especially with Mariota there as a similar build to Desmond Ritter. Or there were some reports saying that the Saints could take him in the mid first round with 16 or 19. Both are options, but I think Ritter's going to the second round. I think Corral, we already talked about that. We went over on Monday or on Friday with the quarterback destinations. Pickett to Carolina, Willis to Pittsburgh, Corral to Seattle, Ritter to Atlanta and Howell to um, Detroit. That's what I think. I am open. Again, I'm open to being wrong about all that, but that's just what I'm thinking right now. Could be wrong. Could be could be the worst prediction of all time. None of those quarterbacks could land. All of those quarterbacks could land in totally different locations. Maybe Carson Strong is the first quarterback taken. We just don't know it, which I'd be cool with because I like Carson Strong a lot, but that's what I think for the in regards to that. But nothing really crazy with Todd McShay's mock draft, apart from the Garrett Wilson going four and the Chargers trading up with or the Chargers trading back, letting the Chiefs replace a guy directly like with a guy that is very similar but bigger to 
the receiver they just got out of the division. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Could be wrong, but man, I I really don't see that happening. And with the Chiefs, I mean, this is a good segue here. I saw this on Instagram, and it was from the NFL Network's post. It said, are the Broncos a top five offense in the NFL? And the Chiefs, for the past however many years, have been considered by most people the creme de la creme in regards to best offenses in the NFL. There's obviously going to be some um, pushback on that. I know there's going to be some people that say, this team's better, this team's better, this team's better. But looking at the, the, the realm of the NFL, without going statistical with it, because I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, but the top five offenses to me, in no order, we'll put them in an order later, are the Bills, the Chiefs, even without Tyreek Hill, don't care. Bills and Chiefs. And if I forget somebody, I, compl- I, I apologize. Bills, Chiefs. I would like to say the Ravens when they're on it and the Bengals are up there too because I think the Bengals are really complete. Like the Bengals had a top five rusher and a top five receiver last year in regards to rushing numbers and receiving numbers. I'd have to put the Bengals up there. I don't think I don't think you really can't. For how bad their O-line is and how good their running backs and receivers were last year. Had 2,000-yard receivers, 1,000-yard back, and Joe Burrow getting sacked 70 times last year and still going to the Super Bowl. I, I think you have to put the Bengals in that category. I think you have to. And I think you also have to talk about the Bucks with Brady coming back. Brady just led the league in touchdowns, or led the league in yards. He might have led the team in touchdowns, but yards. Evans, Godwin. You brought in Russell Gage from uh, Atlanta. You don't have any real running backs. That's the part that really scares me. But the Bills don't. Bills and Chiefs don't really have great running games either. And then would you throw the Chief, Would you throw the Broncos in there? And this is in no order. Again, this is no order. But then you've got with the Broncos, Russell, Melvin. Is Melvin still on the team, or is Melvin a free agent? I can't remember. I think Melvin Gordon's still there, right? No, he's not. Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. Albert O with a decent off the line. I mean, it's kind of hard not to in regards to completeness on the on the offense when people, how they think Javante Williams will be this year. So I think you have to kind of consider them a top five. You might make some arguments for other teams, but if I'm being 100% honest right now, I think the top five offense in the NFL, in no order again, Bills, and I'm going to go in the division. So on ESPN, it's got AFC East, North, South, West, East, NFC East, North, South, West. So we're going to go in that order. Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, Broncos. I want to say the Ravens because when the Ravens are on it and not injured, they're very good. But I'm going to have to stick with the Bucks. I think those are the top five offenses in the NFL. Packers will obviously be mentioned up there. The Rams will be mentioned up there. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I'm I'm looking at all the teams and trying to remember who all the players are on each team, but the Chargers will be mentioned up there as well. No, I, I okay, no. Hmm. hmm. Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers. Is that crazy? Bucks at six? I'm looking around to see if the crowd behind me is saying anything. I think that might be crazy. I don't know. I don't know. 
But I think we have to consider the Broncos a top five offense in the NFL. I think we have to. If you don't like the Broncos, I don't like the Broncos. But there's just too much talent on this roster, including Russell Wilson, to where you go, yeah, that's not a top five offense. And you can make like try to make an argument for it. Like I was trying super hard to be like, oh, let's try to be controversial here. No, I don't think I can. So I think I might just go three offenses in the AFC North, AFC West and then the Bills and Bengals. I, I don't think the Bengals offense gets – it might be talked about, I just don't follow the right people, but gets talked about enough in regards to being one of the top offenses in the NFL. You had two 2,000-yard two wide receivers, a 1,000-yard rusher, finished second in the NFL in rushing yards, a terrible O-line with Joe Burrow. You have to consider them a top five. have to consider them top five. Again, could be completely wrong. And I'm okay with being wrong. I don't care about being wrong. But, yeah. I think that's all we got for NFL stuff today. But before we end the show again, we're at that 44-minute mark, 45-minute mark. So we're going good. And I don't think we're going to go very much longer after that. But congratulations to Kansas on winning the national championship game. I was cheering for North Carolina. And North Carolina blew a 15-point halftime lead. It's the biggest blown lead in NCAA championship history. But 72-69, to we made a joke. North Carolina went up 69 to 68. And we said, North Carolina is not allowed to score anymore. You have to stop at 69, which is a rule that we used to implement at times playing 2K. It was like, if a t- person got to 69, they had to stop and the person would come back. I've won a few games playing that rule. I used to be good at 2K. I haven't played 2K in forever, so I don't think I'd be anywhere as good as I used to be. But, man, Kansas, North Carolina, fun, very fun game to watch. Very fun game. I was planning on leaving my friend's house at halftime because I was tired and my, you know, my throat hurts. But no, it was a fun game. Congratulations, Kansas. Wasn't like upset or anything. I was obviously I'm cheering for North Carolina, but I wasn't angry or upset that Kansas won the national championship. I'll move on from it. Don't really care about either team. And then and also finally on Saturday, I went and played some golf with my friend Tom, and I had the best shot of my life. Almost. No, not almost. <laughs> Had a hole in one. I made the green, though, with a pitching wedge from the tee box. It was the best shot I've ever hit. So, yeah, I was feeling pretty good about that. Tom made me take a picture of it because he was even pumped about it. But, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Try to end the show shorter. I don't think the show went very good because I'm not in a good space. I don't think I did over uh, – talked about everything that I wanted to talk about and as in-depth as I wanted to. But I'm not feeling very good. I just wanted to get a show out there. We'll take the L. On it being a bad show, we'll move on to the next one. So, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, let me know. I apologize. We'll get better the next time, hopefully. And I will see you all later. Make sure you follow me on every form of social media and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And peace.